Good morning. Good morning. With Pastor Shane, I welcome you to Rivermont this morning and invite you to open your Bibles or one of the pew Bibles to the 133rd Psalm. We'll be exploring the beauty of our life together in unity. This psalm is the fourth and last psalm in the Psalms of Ascent that is attributed to King David. The kingdom of Israel was first united under David, and it seems appropriate that David would write a psalm about this life together in unity. And although the psalm is very brief, it is one of the most beautiful descriptions of Christian unity that has ever been written. So please now hear God's word, Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, give us grace to draw our life from you, walking in your steps, enjoying your fellowship. As we now give attention to your word, please open the eyes of our hearts to behold the wonders of your love. Holy Spirit, pour light upon these words which you cause to be inspired and write them upon our hearts. For Jesus' sake, amen. Our passion as a church is to seek the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg in the world. We also pray for our vision of what we long to see in the future, that our world may know the love of Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God. And through the grace and power of Christ and for His glory, we labor diligently to glorify God in our passion and through our vision within our worship, discipleship, and mission. So we rightly have worked diligently to understand our vision and mission, the proper motivation and the joy that we have in ministry, and yet we know to work hard to see that things occur by the grace of God. And yet somewhere in the middle between our passion, vision, our desire to be a covenant community engaged in effective worship, discipleship, and ministry and mission is this gift of God called unity. This unity of relationship is vital, so vital that Jesus prayed in the upper room, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, may they be brought together in complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, there is both an opportunity and a challenge, though, a servant Leadership on the day that we now prepare to ordain and install a new class of deacons and elders. For when it gets down to the root of effectiveness, whether it be in the church or any other community of people trying to accomplish something together, it is the quality of relationships that makes the difference. No matter how great the vision or the plans, unless people are willing to trust each other and work interdependently, their work will not be effectively accomplished. 
There are few things as precious in the world as our life together in unity. And one of the marks of a great church that is effective as a covenant family is a sweet sense of fellowship and you, that we enjoy in unity in the body of Christ. Relationship, yes, with God, relationship with one another, and a combined relationship with the Lord in which we seek to change the world around us for their good as they hear the gospel. Psalm 133 tells us three things about this life together in unity. It speaks to the goodness of unity, to the source of unity, to the blessing of unity. Let's look at these three dynamics now. There is a summons in the first verse related to the goodness of unity. Behold, look, hey guys, take notice, marvel about what I'm about to describe to you. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now notice how King David begins. He tells us that our unity is both good and pleasant. Well, it is good because it reflects God's heart and purpose among His people. Again, Jesus praised that we would be one, that we would have unity, that the world around us would know the love of God the Father for His Son and even for you and for me. Unity is excellent, agreeable, and beneficial. Unity is good in God's sight. He put His stamp of approval on it. But notice here that Unity is not just good, it's also pleasant. Because unity makes life together as God's people so much more enjoyable and effective than seasons of bickering and conflict. Being pleasant, unity is beautiful, sweet, and lovely. Unity is good in God's sight and it's good for you and me. Whether you're in family, a business, a church, or a sports team, life is much more pleasant and enjoyable when we are getting along. Now, while God-given unity is both good and pleasant, there are some things that are either one or the other, but not both. And please just think of this. For example, and this is right out of the Bible, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is good, but discipline is not always pleasant. Here's another example from the Word of God. This is something that may be pleasant, but not too good, like too much honey. From the Proverbs. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it up. So some things are good but not pleasant. Some things are pleasant but not good. But when we live together in unity, we get the best of both worlds. Praise God. It's pleasant. It's good for all of us. And there's that reminder from James that every good and every gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Oh, this great unity is for God's people. And that's what we see in this verse 1 towards the ending, that this unity is there when brothers dwell in unity. You know, it's fascinating just to make sure you know what God is saying here, or David is. 
The people of Israel who first received this psalm, they were literally brothers. They were relatives of each other, descendants of a common father. And yet, as Christians today, we are also brothers and sisters. For we have been adopted into God's family. We share God as our father, and this makes us family. No Christian is an only child. As a Christian, you don't choose whether or not you're going to be part of the family. You already are. So the question is, how will you live as part of the family of God? Will you live in unity or in division? Now, this might come as a little surprise to you, but brothers and sisters don't always get along. We find many examples of this in the Bible. They're pretty extreme, but Cain killed his brother Abel. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. The disciples of Jesus got into arguments with each other from time to time. And as Christians in the church, we don't always get along with each other either. Remember the old saying, To live above with saints we love, oh, that will be such glory. But to live below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. So, brothers and sisters, knowing that we don't always get along, we do at times get angry, and at the root of our disunity, it's our sin. Sometimes we sin and slander, gossip, Even marital tension sometimes causes tension in the family of God. It threatens the precious gift of unity. So that's why the Word of God exhorts us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. As brothers and sisters in Christ... Hebrews tells us to let brotherly love continue. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. So that's the first verse of our psalm. Verse 1 tells us the goodness of living together in unity. As we come to verse 2 in the first part of verse 3, David tells us the source of life together in this unity. You might ask, well, from where in the world does this beautiful, good, pleasant, brotherly, sisterly unity come? Well, the 133 Psalm answers the question by giving us two illustrations. Living in unity is like oil poured on Aaron's head, and living in unity is like the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. Now, if I was asked to draw a picture of unity, I would probably take a puzzle like Pastor Shane did and Look at the puzzle and how it all fits together beautifully. But David does something a little bit differently here. There is this downward movement in both of these images. The blessing comes from above and pours down upon it. Upon us, it starts high and moves downward. And so we begin to see that this unity, this blessing of living together as one, The source of our living together is God Himself. But notice again, unity is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard of the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of His robes. 
Now this is pointing us back to Exodus 29. How the oil was poured upon the head of Aaron in his anointing. The oil in its bountiful quantity would come down on Aaron's face, his beard, and down upon the cloths of his priestly robes. And it's a beautiful and graphic image. For the high priest had very distinctive tasks. He needed to be anointed of God. For he officiated the sacrifices on behalf of God's people. He prayed for the salvation of the people of God. He bore the breastplate and shouldered the stones which represented the twelve tribes of Israel. So that when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of atonement, he took the people of God with him. He was their representative. He was their substitute. And King David, the psalmist, worships God in Jerusalem and highlights the importance of the ministry of the high priest. There is an extravagance of this anointing because the blessings of God are also extravagantly. And importantly, David is saying that there is no blessing, absolutely no blessing, to God's people apart from the ministry of the high priest. As we bring this psalm into the pages of the New Testament, this psalm is is saying something very clear, is it not? No blessings come to us apart from the ministry and function, the purpose and work of the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest. You remember how the author of the Hebrews tells us in chapter 3, he simply exhorts us to consider Jesus Christ. For there are no blessings apart from His ministry. Remember how Christ fulfills His role as our High Priest? He fills the office of our High Priest in His once offering up of Himself to God as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God and by making constant intercession for us. The good blessing of Christian unity flows from the head to the beard to the robe. It is the image of the whole body of Christ united together with Jesus Christ as our great high priest. But notice here our unity is also like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. How wonderful for the people of God is unity like the rich dew that covers Mount Hermon. You know, Hermon is located in the northern part of Israel, extending along the borders of Lebanon and Syria. It is the highest mountain in Israel with an altitude of over 9,000 feet. It is known for its cool nights and heavy dew. In the winter, it is covered with snow, and the area surrounding Hermon stays lush and green all summer long. In fact, it's at the base of Mount Hermon that we find the headwaters of the Jordan River. It is as almost complete contrast, though, to the dry wilderness found upon the small mountains of Zion further south in Israel all around Jerusalem. And yet, God's blessings descend upon Jerusalem, which David established as a center for Israel's worship. There at Jerusalem, unity would be displayed and enjoyed. Unity among God's people makes life thriving and healthy as if the dew from heaven itself was bringing that life in vitality. 
that Mount Hermon and Zion are united by the dew reminds us that in the church we are also one. It is a unity of the great and the small, the high and the low, the north and the south brought together. A unity that crosses all human boundaries and divisions. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. You know, it doesn't matter how high or low you are in the eyes of the world. In Christ, we are one. We have a special unity through Christ and the Holy Spirit. So this do is refreshing. Christian fellowship and unity should also be refreshing when it's blessed by the Holy Spirit. When the church dwells in unity, we are energized, encouraged, renewed, charged up and ready to go. Oh, do you see these images? What they tell us? That unity starts high and then comes down low. Our unity is a gift from God that comes to us from heaven through Christ as the head of the body, the church. And there is nothing like it on earth. So now from the goodness and the source of our life together in unity, we come to the blessing of unity. This is the last part of the psalm. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing Life forevermore. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there's a little bit of tension here. There's a contrast within this very brief psalm. It's really a contrast between the first verse and the end of the third verse. Now, at the end of of the psalm in verse 3, the Lord commands the blessing, not us. The Lord commands the blessing and not us. Let me pause there before I draw out the comparison and the contrast here. God commands the blessing. There's nothing that we can do to guarantee the blessing of God. For it is the work of His grace. And every time we experience that blessing in life together, it is evidence of the grace of God. Yet in verse 1, here's the contrast. We are the ones who do the dwelling together and not the Lord. I mean, He is with us, but we as brothers and sisters are coming together in unity. Without unity, though there is little blessing for us to really experience. You know, in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul does not call us to create unity, for only God creates unity, he knows. He gives us this unity. He knows that God brings us into communion with Jesus Christ, which then brings us into relationship with one another. But Paul does call us to protect and to preserve unity. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3. And when we fall short, Christ calls us to repent, to confess, to reconcile to one another, to forgive, and to love. Back, though, to our text. For there, 
the Lord has commanded the blessing. Now, that's kind of interesting to me. For there, where is the there? Well, if you look back at the last word, the first sentence of verse 3 is Zion. The Lord has commanded unity there in Zion. We are now moving beyond what is geographical mountain in the south to the blessing of a kingdom that has been united in Jerusalem. God in Mount Zion has given the blessing of unity which had been so elusive from Israel in the years before. There had been disunity in the days of the judges, remember? There had been disunity in the days of Saul. There had been disunity in the days of civil war. But now finally the Lord has brought an unprecedented peace. And from Second Samuel we know that the Lord gave rest to David from his enemies on all sides. There was this unprecedented peace and unity enjoyed by the people of God today. What is key though is that God commanded this blessing And that is where believers are living together in unity. Mount Zion, a symbol for the place where God meets with his people. When we come together in Christ, when we meet with God in worship, we will experience Christian unity and God will send his blessing. The more we focus on God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we yield to his kingdom rule, the greater our unity will be. Worship, unity. Blessing, they're all tied up together and this life is forevermore. Hallelujah. What we experience here on this earth is going to come to us in full measure in heaven. Now, it is God who anointed us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. As dew gives life to the vegetation around it. So God's blessing gives us life also. Yet unlike the dew which passes away with the morning sun, God's blessing lasts forever. Living together in unity is a foretaste of heaven. So as a church, we long to be effective in our worship, discipleship, and mission as we seek God's blessing in the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg in the world. We know that we must receive the blessing of unity from God and protect it with all that we have. It's a little bit ironic, ironic to me that David, who had experienced so little peace early in his life, is now acutely aware of the blessing of peace and unity. And now he proclaims in this verse 3 that the Lord has commanded this peace that Israel now experiences in Zion, that we experience now in his presence. Yet sadly, David himself will nearly destroy this peace in his own land. For one morning while his armies are at war, he will get up in this very city and he will look out and he will see a beautiful woman bathing on the roof of her house. And the choice that he makes that day will lead the Lord to say to him through one of the prophets, the sword will never depart from your house. But on that same mount, dear family of God, a thousand years later, the son of God will die to give us peace. Jesus 
will live a perfect life. He will die a terrible death. That our sins may be forgiven as we trust Him, the resurrected Christ, for our salvation. He Himself is our peace. David disrupted the thing that he so valued in Israel. Only Jesus can give it back. And He does. So are you experiencing a lack of unity in your life? Well, the restoration of unity for all of us, it comes as we look to Jesus Christ. For there's only one person that can remedy this enmity between sinners and a holy God. And Jesus did so by becoming cursed for us that we might be united to God through Him. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Oh, may God, through His Spirit, enable us to embrace Christ and our life together in unity to the glory of His name. Oh, how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, We thank You for this beautiful psalm in all its simplicity, yet so very profound. Command, O Lord, the blessing of our life together as one. Unity in Christ, life forevermore. We confess that in and of ourselves, we do not merit this blessing of unity apart from Your love. For Your glory and for our good, May our unity be of Your grace from beginning to end. Hear us, dear Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen.